wow, boy, you think about it this morning. You know, every time I see an ambulance uh, headed to, uh, to help someone or a fire truck headed to rescue someone, maybe a, a police officer headed to uh, assist someone, you think about what an important duty they have, you know, rushing into places that most people run away from. Uh, they go toward the problem, they go toward the pain, they go toward the difficulty, and uh, I'm thankful for them. But you ever thought about your job as a Christian? That's our job. We're carrying the light. And boy, not only are we like first responders, we are like eternal first responders because we are carrying something that is not only going to help save this life, but also, more importantly, the next. And I hope you take that seriously. We talked about that in Sunday school this morning and the great burden we have. It's good to be at church, isn't it? I'm just glad to be here. I'm being honest with you. I'm just glad to be here. Uh, some of you have been gone a little while, vacations. Folks are in and out. Uh, as a pastor this time of year, I think I told you last year, you always you buckle down and cringe wondering, okay, who's going to be here, who's not going to be here, vacations. And it's just good to have our people home. This should be home. And boy, when everybody's together, it's like getting all the family together. And this is our Heavenly Father, amen. And I'm glad to be in his house today. Let's take our Bibles out and turn to the New Testament, 2 Peter chapter number 3. 2 Peter chapter 3, when you find it, go ahead and, and stand together as we uh, will read down beginning in verse number 1. I do want to remind you tonight, all of our young people, uh, from above nursery to below college, I need to meet with all of you and your parents tonight right here after the service. We're going to look at our summer schedule and our plans as we transition uh, there in the youth area and youth department. We've got a lot going on this summer, a lot that I'm excited about. We'll get our young people involved in a few different things this summer. So I want you to be here tonight to hear about that. Also going to discuss some of our school goings on. Excited about some new opportunities we're going to have there. And then a couple of other things. Don't forget, next Sunday night, we had to postpone this a few weeks ago, Senator McDaniel is going to be with us next Sunday night. We'll have an opportunity to hear from him before we preach, and then afterward we'll have a, a time of meet and greet, and we're going to be discussing the importance of God's people and the role of Christian values in our political system here in the United States. I want you to be here next Sunday for that. Uh, Senator McDaniel is going to spend uh, as much time as he can with us, and I look forward to having, uh, having a lot of our questions answered. And then don't forget July the 2nd, our big uh, Independence Day tailgate on that evening. Got a special guest that morning. And that evening, I have a wonderful time outside on the football field. So write all of that down. It's in your bulletin, but keep up with what we've got going on. 2 Peter chapter 3, look down to verse number 1. A message I'm very excited about preaching today because it marks a new beginning in our church. And I'll explain a little bit more about that as we go on. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 1. The Bible says this second epistle, notice that, this second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets, and of them of them of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Let's stop there. We'll unravel this as we preach. Let's pray and ask the Lord's blessing. Father, thank you again for the great privilege to be here. 
Lord, it's just an honor, Lord, to be able to call ourselves Christians, sons of God. Thank you, Father, for the privilege to come to your house. We do thank you, Lord, as we look toward this Memorial Day, Lord, uh, time of remembrance that, Father, we thank you for this country where we can come and we can worship freely. Father, without fear or worry or repercussions, and Lord, help us to cherish that liberty that we do have while we have it before it's gone. Father, thank you for a copy of your word that, Father, we can go to today and find what you want us to preach on and, and preach about. And I pray that you'd help us with your liberty today of the Holy Spirit. Say what you'd have us to say. If there's one lost here today who's not sure about their eternity, help them to be saved today. Make that known to them. For the saved, challenge us through your word, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> it's hard to believe this morning that 2023 is just about to enter in the month of June. Seems like just a few weeks ago, we launched our Vision Sunday, and we launched our theme of being ready, being a people that are ready for the Lord, prepared for the Lord, ready, number one, to meet Him when He comes. I hope you're saved. The trump of God were to sound today. I hope you know you're going with Him when He calls and when He comes to take His church home. But then number two, to be ready to be used of God. That's something I believe sometimes we neglect after we get saved. We're saved, we have our fire insurance, but we're not ready. We're not prepared to be used of God in the time that he's given us. And in January, we launched our theme this year of being a people that are ready. And we passed out our little cards of the check boxes. We're trying to work toward being ready in prayer and ready in soul winning, ready in the fruits of the spirit and the armor of God. And so many different areas that the word of God prescribes of what God expects of us to be ready to be used of him. It's hard to believe we've already gone through the first third of the year. Our first third this year was ready to preach the gospel and I want you to know my heart was blessed and encouraged throughout the first third of this year watching our church go into our community to reach the lost, uh, to make sure people knew that there was a church like this that they could be a part of. Uh, I was looking over the list just this morning of our, our campaign of our heart for the hub city uh, and all the, the different areas and avenues that our people have gone into our town, uh, to hospitals, uh, our first responders, and our school teachers, our retail establishments. Thousands upon thousands of tracts have been given out. Hub Fest, the Walk of Hope uh, there at the Hope Clinic. So many opportunities that our people have taken. I looked at our, our pictures from our week of service and how we went into our community and what a blessing it was to see all of the turquoise shirts in and around Hattiesburg as people went and shared the gospel uh, and showed them that there was a church that loved them here in Hattiesburg. It's just exciting. And it's, it's wonderful, but it's kind of sad we've reached the end of that first third because the year is going by fast. Uh, we got through April, we finished that first third, and we have graduations early in May, and we really haven't had a whole lot of time to launch the second third of where we're at now on being ready to every good work. I don't know about you, I'm excited to be saved here this morning. I'm excited to know that I have a home in heaven, aren't you? That's not something I'm ashamed about. Uh, I'm not ashamed that my father loved me enough to send his only begotten son to die for me that I could be saved. I'm not ashamed to smile about being saved. I'm not ashamed to share that I'm saved. I'm glad that I get to be here today in my father's house. I'm not just coming to somebody's church. I'm going to my father's house. What a blessing it is to know that I'm saved. But then to realize this morning that after I get saved that my father has so much more in store for me. They just want to save my soul and give me an eternal home in heaven. He wants to change my life right here, right now, today. And by the way, he wants to change it until I meet him in person in heaven one day. That's why it's important that we're ready to every good work. 
Here's the sad thing. I believe when we read the Word of God, uh, we kind of read the headlines and never get into the meat of what the Christian life is all about. I read a statistic this week. I read it to my wife yesterday. It just blew her mind like it blew my mind. Of every 10 people who read a headline, only two will go back and read the content of the headline. Of every 10 people, now I know we don't read much in newspapers anymore, do we? Uh, But we read on our phones and we read on the computer, uh, we see it on the television, we read headlines. Out of 10 people that read headlines, only two will go back and really read the meat of what that headline was about. I'll give you one a little bit more relevant. Columbia University did a study of their computer science uh, division and said that 59% of links that are shared on social media were never opened. That means the people who shared them never even opened the link that they shared. They saw something, it had a catchy headline, and they grabbed it and they shared it. Could I just give you a little bit of uh, online etiquette for social media? Be careful about that. I've learned with GIFs or GIFs, whatever you call them. I like GIFs better, okay? Reminds me of peanut butter, so I call them GIFs. Be careful when you share a GIF. Make sure you watch it all the way to the end, okay? Guilty, been in trouble. For those of you that are smiling, you've been in trouble that way before as well. But you think about it. 59% of people who share an article, 59% have not even read the article that they shared. They read the headline, and they never got into the meat of what it was all about. It shows how our attention spans as humans are shrinking. I'll give you a frightening thought in 2000, the year 2000. The human attention span was about 12 seconds. If it was not interesting, we would abandon it after 12 seconds. Just 23 years later, our attention span has shrunk to 8 seconds. To give you some context, a goldfish has an attention span of 9 seconds. So that means our goldfish have a greater attention span than we do as humans. We have a bad habit of just reading the headline, the start of it, and having a good start, but we never get into the meat of it, of what it was all about, and we miss out on really learning and growing in areas that would have benefited us in society. I think we need to get beyond the headlines, don't you? But if you're not careful, you're going to do the same thing with the Word of God. We'll read the first page, and we'll get into the headlines. What are the headlines? The headline is Jesus saves, and what a headline that is. I'm thankful that the Word of God says that whosoever can be saved. I'm a whosoever, and I'm thankful it says that. That's the headlines. You can be saved. You can have a home in heaven. You can have your sins forgiven. I'm thankful for the headlines, but can I tell you, there's a lot more to the Word of God than just the headlines. There's a lot more in there that God has for you, but you've got to get in a little bit deeper, and you've got to turn the page every once in a while and get past our hobby horses and what we like and the areas that we like to study and get into what thus saith the Lord about every good work of all that God wants me to be. There's so much more that God wants us to be that we're not, and the problem is we got the headline, we got saved, our home is in heaven, and we have not got into all that God has else for us in our Christian life. Now, how does that deal with what we read this morning? Well, I want you to notice the second word in first, uh, Second Peter chapter 3 in the first, first verse. Notice he says this second epistle. This second epistle. <clears throat> now, I'm not going to uh, challenge your intelligence this morning. But what he's writing in the second epistle is he's following up what he wrote in the first epistle. Can we all agree with that? Amen. Look, uh, it takes a lot to get this many Baptists on the same page together. But I think we can agree on that one, right? The second epistle is getting a little bit more in-depth and adding to what he said in the first epistle. Now, what did he say in the first epistle? For the sake of time, I won't read it, but you get back. He talks about the precious promises that God's given us. 
the exceeding, the great and the wonderful precious promises that God gives us that we what? Add to our faith. That means we have that foundation, the concrete's been poured, and that's not it. God says, but wait, there's more. And by the way, it's better than any telemarketer, right? But wait, there's more. God says, I want you to add to your faith, and he goes down through all the list in 1 Peter. He says, I want you to add knowledge and temperance and patience and godliness. All of those things God says you and I can have. He said that in chapter 1 or 1 Peter, but now he's in 2 Peter. And now in 2 Peter chapter 3, he says this second epistle. Let's move on from the first one, and let's go on to the second one. What does he say in verse 1? This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. Now, folks, we need to understand this this morning. You read 1 Peter. Can I tell you how I, what I get out of it? 1 Peter number 1, when you get into chapter 1, chapter 2, and begin reading about 1 Peter, you find out it's a book of equipping. God is giving us all the equipment we need to do what he's called us to do and be what he's called us to be. Aren't you glad God didn't leave us here alone and say, hey, figure it out? I don't know about you. I'm not always good at figuring things out. I've been married. I told the Sunday school class this morning, we're working on 20 years. We're about to roll over 18 years, and I still haven't got my wife figured out. And all of God's men said, amen. Our young men are thinking, what are you talking about? You'll figure it out one day. You won't figure her out, you'll just figure that out, right? What if God just dropped us off here on planet Earth and said, hey, figure it out till I get back? Can I tell you, we wouldn't figure it out because we have a hard enough time figuring out with the book. Can you imagine what it would be like trying to figure it out without the book? But not only did he, did he give them First Peter, that he equipped them, watch, we roll into Second Peter. We get into now the second phase as we now enter the second phase of our theme this year of being ready to every good work, and we realize 1 Peter was about the equipping. 2 Peter, it gives us expectations. Understand this this morning. There's a grave accountability coming for each and every one of us, for the lost and the saved alike. And that accountability is going to be taking the equipment that God gave us and figuring out whether or not we met the expectations that God had for us. God didn't give us the equipment as an optional add-on for the Christian life. You know, you go buy a car, you decide whether or not, man, I went and bought that 2002 Chrysler PT Cruiser. It was cool back then. It, back then. It was cool for about three months. The sad thing is I had to pay for it after th three months. <laughs> you know, after the coolness wore off and after a while, as my friend called it, it looked like a pregnant roller skate going down the road. <laughs> now I was buying that car I wanted chrome rims, security system. I wanted a spoiler on the back of it. I was going to make it look as cool as possible, as cool as a PT Cruiser could be. I was going to make it cool. And I'm going through this catalog. Yes, I want this. Yes, I want this. Oh, I can't afford that. And I just kept going through the book, getting all the add-ons off of it. Can I tell you, that's not the way the Word of God works. All the equipment that he's given us comes with expectations. God's going to hold us accountable for it. This is why it's important. At some point in your Christian life, here's what you need to do. You need to turn the page. You need to get off the headlines. Thank God we're saved. You're saved. You're sealed. You can't lose it. Thank God for that. Now it's time to turn the page and let's get on to chapter 2, the second epistle in chapter 3 and verse number 1. And this morning, here's what I want to help you to do. I want to help you turn the page a little bit. I'm thankful to be saved. I'm thankful this morning I have a home in heaven and that God is my father and that I am a son of God. But I need to turn the page and find out what else did he have to say. 
That's what 2 Peter is all about. Let me give you a quick illustration before I get into it this morning. Back in October, I was preaching out from San Francisco. While I was there, I went by the Redwood Forest, and I bought a redwood tree. And, and that's it right there in, in the bottle, um, in a little a terrarium, I guess that is. And you're supposed to take it out of the bottle, and you're supposed to put it in the ground. I told my wife, how awesome would that be, you know? A redwood tree in Mississippi, you know? I may not leave a legacy at our church, but I said, I'm going to leave a legacy in my backyard. There's going to be this big old redwood tree sitting up there. And they're going to think, how did that get there? That crazy preacher from Central planted that there years ago. But I bought it in October. I don't know if you know, but it's been a little while since October. I've never taken the time to take it out of this little pot and put it in the big pot in the backyard. I thought about it this way, instead of a red wood tree, it more looks like a red weed tree, doesn't it? Weed eater, take that little dude out in a heartbeat. Why? I've never moved it on. It's still in the container that it shipped in. It needs to be moved on into a larger container, that way it can grow up to reach its full potential. Can I tell you, there's a lot of us this morning, we're still in chapter 1. We've never moved on to the bigger container. We've never turned the page of what the rest of the will of God is for our life. And this morning, I believe verse 1, verse 2 are going to show us how to turn the page if we could. Let's jump into it if we could. Here's what Peter's saying. He says, okay, I'm going to give you something else now. Gave you first Peter. We have the foundation laid. And now I gave you all the things to add to it. But let me show you how you turn the page and move on to what the will of God is for your life. Verse 1, the second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you in both which I, now watch this first part, I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. Now the way that he's trying to get them to turn the page, hey, we're moving on from 1 Peter, let's move on to 2 Peter. Let's find out all of the expectations that God has for the equipment. He says, we gave you the equipment in, in 1 Peter. All of the, the, the peace and, and the patience and the temperance, all of those things he already gave us. But let me show you how to turn the page on that. He says, and watch these two words. He says, you need to stir it up. You need to stir it up. You know what stir up means? You look up in the word of God, and it means to activate. All right? To activate it. It means to awaken it. It means that you've been given something, but what you're given has to be stirred up. All right? It's kind of like that orange juice when you buy it. I like pulp in my orange juice. Amen? Any other godly people here today? Amen. Brother Ace, I saw that hand. Amen. My wife says, I don't like to chew my orange juice. I say, well, sorry for you. I enjoy it. I'm the only person. If there's pulp in it, I'm the only person that will drink out of it. My wife, my daughter will not do that. And you get that orange juice, that simply orange, and there in the very bottom of it, you see all of that stuff that's there. It's in there. It just needs to be shook up. And so, man, I shake it up, and you see all of those wonderful little crunchy pieces of orange floating around in your juice. Some of you are just licking your lips right now. I mean, that just makes you want to go get some, doesn't it? What happens, it's in there, but it's got to be stirred up. It's got to be activated. It's got to be awakened. Can I tell you this morning... The first thing that's got to happen in order for you to turn the page in your spiritual life, number one, there needs to be a great awakening, all right? There needs to be a great awakening. Now, watch this word in verse number one. The Bible says, I write unto you in both which I stir you up your pure minds by way of remembrance. Now, that word remembrance is crucial. Let me tell you why. It's hard to remember something you don't have, correct? Correct. He's telling them to remember something that they have. My wife reminds me of things and tells me things I should remember that I have never heard of before. 
I don't know why she does that. Did you remember to make the car note? Did you remember to make this phone call? What are you talking about, woman? It's impossible for me to remember something I didn't know. No, most of the time I did know. I just forgot. If he tells us to remember, do you know what he's saying? You have the information, but now you've got to wake it up. You've got to stir it up. And can I tell you this morning why so many of us never turn the page on our walk with God? It's because, not because we don't have the information, it's because we haven't stirred it up. I mean, listen, we're good old-fashioned Baptists right here in the heart of the Bible Belt of South Mississippi. We've heard the Bible all of our life. By the time we were 10, we knew the Ten Commandments. We learned the books of the Bible. We can even put them to musical song. But I wonder how much of what is in there has been stirred up. Do you know why some of us are still stuck on the headlines of our faith? We're not stirring up what we've been given and what we have. What does he say here? Watch, watch. This is the second epistle. I'm trying to move you on to something else that God wants you to know. And the way that you turn the page is you stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. I'll tell you, in 2023, here's what's sad. Everybody's searching for answers. Everybody's searching for answers. By the way, what a wonderful opportunity we have as the church to give it to them. Amen? Do you know why we can give it to them? Because we've got them. Here's what's sad. There's a lot of Christians this morning searching for answers they already have. The sad thing is we search outside of this book. We search outside of this building. Maybe if I just had more money, maybe if I just had more prestige, maybe if I just had bigger and better things, that maybe I'd find the answers to what I'm looking for. No, the answer to what we're looking for is something that we already have. He's already given it to us. But what's got to happen in the church, at some point, the church has got to turn the page on their Christian life and stir up what God's already given you. I mean, we got the answers. Watch, he was not telling them, you got to go learn something new. He says, put to work what you already know. Stir up, by what? By remembrance. I'll give an example. A lot of us know about Pearl Harbor and the great tragedy that happened there. Remember the quote from Yamamoto? Remember what he said after it was over in his journal? I fear that all that we have done is awakened a sleeping giant. And filled him, what was the word, with terrible resolve. They didn't create the giant. The giant was already there. But they did awaken it. Can I tell you, I believe that's a great picture of the church today. We're a sleeping giant. How come 2 to 3% of our society, deviant society, ungodly society, just 2 to 3% can get whatever they want done in this world and in this country. How come we so often in this country bow down and capitulate to just 2 to 3% of our leftward leaning lost country? Can I tell you why? Watch, they're woke and we're not. They're more woke to darkness than we are to light. That's why they accomplish more. We talk about being woke, and you look at our society, it fears the woke crowd. Here's the problem. They've never seen a woke church. That's why they don't fear us anymore. That's why they're not worried about what the Christians say. Even though the Christians have the overwhelming majority, at least on paper, we have no voice. Why? Because we're not woke to light as much as they are to darkness. Here's what 2 Peter is saying. Watch this. You've got to turn the page in your walk with God, and you do that by stirring up, remembering what you've already been given. Now, what is the context of 2 Peter? 
The context of 2 Peter is churches in Asia Minor who were suffering tremendous persecution. They were going through a difficult time. Sound familiar? They had persecution from without. If you'll keep reading in 2 Peter, you'll find out they had division and heresy that had entered on the inside. They had trouble on the outside. They had trouble on the inside. What did 2 Peter say here? Chapter 3, verse 1. What's the answer? Here's what you need to do. Stir up your pure minds. Hear me out this morning, church. If we only knew the power, the peace, the promises, we'll keep the peace going, the potential that you already have. You've already got it. Well, here's what I'm going to do. Now, look, I've never done yoga, okay? I like yogurt, but I've never done yoga. I don't know if they're related, but I'm going to go do some yoga and maybe get relaxed and maybe just cleanse my mind. And, and look, I, hey, if it works, it works. Go for it, okay? I'm not flexible. There's no point in me trying that. Hear me out. And I'm going to do that, and, and then I'm going to change my diet. Nothing wrong with that. We all need to be healthy so we can go out and live long and share the gospel. That's what good health's all about. And maybe that's going to change things in my life. I hate to tell you this, the change you're looking for, if you're a Christian, is already there. It's inside of you. You just got to stir it up. All throughout the Word of God, it's amazing how many times you find the word stir or the term stirring up and how God used people that just stirred up something they already had. I'll give an example, I enjoy coffee. I don't get to enjoy it as much as I used to. COVID did a, did a number on my taste buds. Matter of fact, I told Leslie the other day, I said, quit ordering the expensive stuff. Order the cheapo Walmart stuff. I said, because I can't taste the expensive stuff anyway, you know, I might as well save a little money in the process. So now, great value is my favorite coffee. People ask you, what do you like? Do you like Starbucks? Do you like Black Rifle? No, I like great value. That's what I drink now because I can't taste the good stuff. The other day I went in and made my coffee and I put in a little bit of sugar, uh, had the cream that's there, poured the coffee in, sat down and took a drink of it. Brother Ben, it was bitter. It was bitter. It was horrible. It was bitter, it was strong, it was very much not enjoyable. Do you know what I realized? I realized that I had put everything in the cup, but I had never stirred it. And boy, after I stirred it, it was so good. My wife bought me this cream, it's Dunkin' Donuts cream. It's got sweetened in the cream. So I kind of get a double dose of the sugar, but I don't feel as bad about it. I still only put one teaspoon in my cup, but there's probably like five teaspoons in the cream. But it makes me feel good. I can lie to myself psychologically. You do it all the time too, okay? Now hear me out. It was already there. I just needed to stir it up. Do you know, do you know why life, watch this, life may seem a little strong to you right now? You know why life may seem a little bit bitter to you right now? Life may seem a little bit unjoyable to you right now. Could it be, watch this, that everything that could make your life sweet and tastes better and more enjoyable is already inside of you, but you're looking outside the cup instead of inside the cup, and if you just stirred up what you already had, you'd find life be a little bit sweeter. I promise you this morning, God has already given you what you need. The problem is we look everywhere else instead of what we've already been given. Give an example, Acts 17, 16. The Bible says, now while Paul waited for them at Athens, the, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Can you imagine Paul, a preacher of the gospel, being in Athens, an epicenter of evil, and seeing the city wholly given to idolatry? Can I tell you how you and I would react to that? We would be discouraged. Look, 
We have a shooting in the food court at Turtle Creek Mall, and a lot of us think the world's ending. The city was wholly given to idolatry. But the Bible says his spirit was stirred in him. Then he went and began to preach the gospel. He went and began to confront them. What happened? Watch. The situation around him was no match for the stirring that was in him. That's what our problem is. Man, what we've got inside of us, what God has already given us in 1 Peter is what he wants us to stir up in 2 Peter. The problem is the lost are more woke to what they believe than the saved are to what they say they believe. Exodus chapter 35, verse 21, listen to this account. The Bible says, and they came everyone whose heart stirred him up, speaking about the building of the tabernacle, and everyone whom his spirit made him willing, and they brought the Lord's offering to the work of the tabernacle of the congregation for all his service and for the holy garments. Now watch this, what is happening? God's people are being motivated and mobilized to do the work in the will of God. That is something every pastor prays for. That at some point, God's people would get motivated to take up the will of God and the work of God in the local church. How did he do that? Well, it says here that he guilted them, made them feel bad, and browbeat them into service. Nope. The Bible says, I'm not good at that anyway. The Bible says they came. Everyone whose heart stirred him up. You see, all that needed to happen was a little bit of stirring. They were stirred. I told our Sunday school class this this morning. I'm afraid our problem is we ain't got it in here. Excuse my bad English on that. We don't have it in here. The reason our hands aren't stirred to give Take a gospel track and just give it to somebody who needs to be saved. The reason our hands don't give, our feet don't go, our mouth doesn't speak, it's not we have a mouth problem, a hand problem, or a foot problem. Now You might have foot problems, okay, but that ain't what your problem is. The problem is we haven't been stirred on the inside. That's why we're not doing it on the outside. You know what revival is? Revival is when God's people just get stirred again, a great awakening. That's what revival is. We have this horrible idea in ministry today. You've got to have the eloquent, the intelligent, the charismatic, the charisma. You've got to have all of that. No, all you've got to have is God. God's got a long spoon. God sticks his spoon in the hearts of his people, begins to stir them up. Oh, then you see people who aren't afraid of a city wholly given to idolatry, people who aren't afraid to give and be a part of what God's trying to do. There's a story about two brothers. i got to hurry. My goodness. It's 1154. Time flies when you're having fun. Amen. I mean, I'm having fun. I don't know if you are, but I am. I hope you are too, okay? These two brothers were, went to this job uh, place to, to, to try to be, uh, what was it, team truckers. That's what they're going to be. They're going to be truck drivers together. They're going to team drive across the country. While one was driving, one was sleeping. While one was driving, the other one was sleeping, vice versa. And so they were sitting there, and the guy who was doing the interview says, all right, Leroy, if you're driving the truck and Charlie is asleep, and you're coming down the mountain and your brakes fail, and all of a sudden, you get up 60 miles an hour, 70 miles an hour, 80 miles an hour. You're headed down this hill, and you see a bridge you're coming to, and that bridge is only one lane. And you look on the other side of the bridge, and there's an 18-wheeler coming at you on that same bridge. He says, what are you going to do, Leroy? Leroy got to thinking about it. He says, hmm, I think what I would do is I'd wake up Charlie. And the guy's thinking, the interviewer's thinking, man, what, we're going to wake up Charlie for that. He says, well, Charlie's never seen a big wreck, and he's always wanted to see one. I'd wake him up so he'd get to see it. 
You know, I think that's how the church is. We're going to wake up right before the wreck. America's going to be gone. We're going to lose the land of the free and the home of the brave. We're going to lose this stuff. And the reason we're going to lose it is because we're asleep. We haven't woke up. I mean, listen, the, the, the world is afraid of a woke minority of folks who don't believe this book, who don't believe what the Lord has to say, and the world is scared to death of them. And the problem is the church needs to have a great awakening where we turn the page, we get past salvation, and realize God has so much more for his people. We're asleep at the wheel. We wonder why this morning, why our country's in the shape it's in, why we're going through what we're going through. It's because the church is asleep. What did he say, verse 1? 2 Peter 3, 1. Stir up, wake up is what he's saying. But then keep reading. He says, I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. We could just put it simply this, we've forgotten who we are. We forgot. He says, by remembrance, we forgot do you know why the very same people that God let out of Egypt parted the Red Sea, gave them water out of a rock and manna from heaven? Do you know why they died in the wilderness? They forgot what he did. He said, the answer is you just got to get to the place where you remember. I did a lot of reading this week about the Great Awakenings. Boy, I've studied it and studied it and studied it and went back this week and just read some more details. I want you to listen to what one reporter said about the Great Awakening in Wales of 1904. This awakening impacted every sphere of culture and industry. Police formed barbershop quartets to sing in churches since there was no one to arrest. Saloons went bankrupt. Coal mines even shut down briefly because the miners became converted, stopped using obscene language, and the mules could no longer understand their commands. <laughs> That's sad. The awakening spread to the United States. The reporter goes on to say, of the 50,000 residents in Atlantic City, only 50 were found who claimed to be unconverted. 200 stores in Portland, Oregon closed every day so that people could attend prayer meetings. What happened? Was it a great preacher? No. It's a great awakening. I told my class today that when Jonathan Edwards preached sinners in the hands of an angry God, his voice was hoarse because he had fasted for days before. He was scared to death and held his notes up to his face where you could not even see his facial expressions. It wasn't a great man. It was a great awakening. If we're going to have a country that we love for much longer, we're going to have to wake up, church. Number one, notice he says, stir up, a great awakening. We've got to hurry real quickly, okay? I got a free gift for you, by the way, at the end of service today. Excited about that, so I'll keep you a little bit longer, but I'll give you something free. That'll make it even, right? All right. He says, stir up what? He said, stir up your pure minds. Oh, my goodness gracious, boy. I, I almost skipped over that in my study, and the Holy Spirit says, back it up, beep, 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 backed up. There's something to be seen right there in that word, in those words, the pure mind. Could I say this morning we all agree, would all agree that you can get stirred by different things in different ways. Would we agree that? Look, when I get to go hunting and I'm sitting on the side of a tree and a big deer walks out, something happens to my body biologically. I can't hardly breathe and I'm scared of the animal. I mean, I don't know how many people have been killed by deers, but man, it scares me. I'm scared to move. This deer walks out. It stirs me up like that. Anybody else that way? All right, well, I'm, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I am. Some of you get stirred up when you go through a drive through Look, I've been riding with some of you people before. Come on. 
two for five? Two for five? The Arby's roast beef, two for five? God bless America. You get stirred. You ladies go in the store. You're walking through, and you see that wonderful word, clearance. You get stirred at all the money you're about to save your husband. You know we know how that works, right? I saved you $976 today. How much did you have to spend to save me that much? You get stirred. You go to a ball game, you get stirred. I was watching the basketball game last night. The, the, the Celtics heat game was won on the last second, man. It stirs you up. Can I tell you, that's not what we're talking about this morning. Watch what he said needs to be stirred in order us for us to turn the page in our walk with God. He says, stir up your pure minds. That means your sincere minds. Stick with me, okay? I'm going to hurry. Point three is the shortest. He says, if you're going to turn the page on your faith, go from 1 Peter to 2 Peter. Go from the first third to the second third. Watch this. You've got to stir up something real. We can't just have our emotions stirred and think that's going to save our country. We can't just have our, 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 our goosebumps pop up on our, our arm in order for us to deliver this country out of a place that it's headed right now that it doesn't want to go. If we're going to help this country, we've got to stir up something real. He said, stir up your pure minds, your sincere minds. That's why number two, if you're going to turn the page in your walk with God, you need, watch this, a godly authenticity. A great awakening and then a godly authenticity. Peter says it's got to be real. Our theme is ready. Can I tell you, you will not be ready and prepared for the Lord if you're not real. Quit playing games. Look, I'm a preacher's kid, third or fourth generation preacher, somewhere down the line in there. I know how this works. I know the right stuff to say. Brother Lejeune will tell you he's been around ministry his whole life. I know the right things to say. I even know most of the time how to dress. You saw me yesterday, maybe not so much. But I don't get to wear my Crocs very often, Brother Josh, so you know. I know how to dress, how to look, how to talk. But it ain't going to change America if it ain't real. We need a great awakening, number one. Number two, we need a godly authenticity. Watch what he says. Stir up your pure minds. Stir up what is sincere. I believe the problems that we're facing in this country go back to the simple fact that God's people play games too much. We play church games. We try to say the right things, talk the right things, but we're living totally and entirely contrary to what we say. No wonder people don't want what we got. It's counterfeit. You know, you come up to me this morning and say, hey, I printed up some money last night in my basement. Number one, I'm out of there. Number two, don't put in the offering plate, right? I hate having to go bail Miss Shelley out of jail because she deposited counterfeit funds. I printed up some money last night. Man, this is being live streamed. They're probably watching us. They're like zero in on us. That church has a counterfeit printing process. Ugh. The joys and the pains of live stream. And you tell me I printed up some $100 bills. I don't want what you got. It ain't worth anything. Try to go spend it. They're going to take out that pen. Does it ever make you feel like you're a thief when they take out that pen? Anybody else feel that way? I do. I'm like, what did I not, I mean, did I not look trustworthy? No, I told them I was a preacher. And they're like, oh, they're going to take the pen out. I don't want anything that's counterfeit. It's not going to work. Anybody seen this new website called Timu? Timu? I, I ordered Timu last night. Ordered something off Timu. 
I don't have a whole lot of faith in what I got coming in. I think it's counterfeit. But it was cheap. That's why I shop dirt cheap. I like a good deal when I can get a good deal. I'm not expecting much out of it. Why? I think half that stuff's counterfeit. Yeah, it was only 87 cents for a pair of tennis shoes. But hey, you know, 87 cents is 87 cents. By the way, the world doesn't want a counterfeit Christian either. They don't want a counterfeit church either. What our church, watch this, what our world has is real problems. America's got real problems. We got families with real problems. We got young people with real problems. And they need a real answer from a real church. The problem is we haven't had a great awakening. That's why there's no godly authenticity. We're playing games and we know it. We know it. I just don't know why America's in the trouble it's in because we're fake as a $3 bill. Now look, I love you in the Lord, but hear me out, folks. If we don't stir up something real, what did he say? Stir up your pure minds. Hey, don't stir up that fake you. We come into church, and man, we got our Bible. We dusted it off before we got here. Look, if you ever want to take the second step of authenticity, unstick the pages. All right? Every once in a while, I'll preach with a mint in my mouth, and I get a little bit, believe it or not, I might spit when I talk. And it sticks my pages together. I'll be sitting up there unsticking pages. If I'm unsticking pages, it's not because I haven't read my Bible. It's because I stuck it together with a Hall's cough drop, okay? You're thinking, that preacher doesn't read his Bible either. What does he say? we got to hurry. we really got to hurry. He said, stir up your pure mind. Stir up something real. Now, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, a while back, we preached on the great falling away. I believe we're either on the cusp of it or in the very early stages of it. The apostasy, falling away from our faith, I believe we're getting there. Can I be honest with you this morning? I think before we have a great falling away, we're going to have a great faking away. Before we see the great falling away, you look up. I mean, these people come to church their whole life. They were faithful to church. Now they're so far away from the will of God. What happened to them? I'm afraid a lot of it was faking. We were faking. We didn't have a pure mind. We weren't sincere about our worship and walk with God. As a matter of fact, let me give you a definition of the word sincere. You know, I love words. And I looked up this word sincere and began to break apart the, the etymology of it. It's amazing. The word sincere. One of the definitions blew my mind because I, I couldn't figure out what it meant. It meant without wax. I thought, well, that's a dead end. What does that have to do with anything? Why does the word sincere, all right, Latin word, sincere, all right, S-I-N means without, sire, C-E-R-E means wax. I'm like, well, that doesn't help me. Isn't it wonderful, preachers, when you get a really good illustration and you're like, yeah, that's a good one. And then you're like, what? Without wax, pure minds means sincere. The word sincere, without wax, I couldn't figure out what that meant. So I had to dig it up a little bit more. I need to teach my daughter how to do my sermon prep for me so she can dig out these things for me. Back in ancient Greece, we know sculptures were a big thing. They, they had all of the, um, the marble sculptures and the busts and things outside of their temples for Diana and all those statues that were there. As the sculptor would sculpt the picture, whatever it was he was sculpting, from time to time he would chip away a piece accidentally that, that didn't need to be chipped away. And you can't just like start over. So he would take out wax. He would smear wax into the hole. And you'd never know it. They'd paint over it, you'd never know it. And so there began to be a rash of forgeries of great sculpted works. And they couldn't tell which ones were fake, which ones were not. So here's what they would start doing. They would start holding them up to the light because the light would always shine differently 
on the wax than the marble. And then they would leave them out in the open sun. And after a while, that sun would begin to heat up that sculpture, and the wax that had been filling the hole would begin to melt away. And they would find out that sculpture is not sincere. It's not pure. The light and the heat will always tell on you. Can I tell you, and I'm part of the church too, so I'm right here with you. The light and the heat are telling on the church that we're not sincere. The light's different. When the heat of persecution rises up, we melt and we fold and we quit and we move on. You see, our problem is we're not real. When the heat melts the wax away, what does the Bible say, Matthew 13, 6, about the seed that fell amongst the stony ground? When the sun was up, they were scorched because they had no root. They withered away. They looked good on the surface, but they had no depth. Fell apart. Got out of church. Got out of the will of God. Number two, can I tell you what we need to turn the page? We need a godly authenticity. Bacon's not going to do it. There's not a week goes by. I don't have a family in my office, a young person in my office, a person in my office asking counsel, direction, have a problem. Have a void. And thank God for people who seek out counsel. I seek out counsel. And buddy, let me tell you, there's some real problems that walk through my door. And I'm not Max Lucado. I can't spout out poetry and sweet-sounding poems to help people and heal a broken heart. Those people need real answers because they got real problems. That's why we better be a real church. Look. We're in the second third of this year. We've moved on from preaching the gospel. We're keeping doing that. Now it's time to move on to every good work. It's time to get to 2 Peter, this second epistle about turning the page and stirring up what? Stirring up something that's real. I'm afraid we've been so fake for so long, the only people we have fooled is ourselves. We have fooled ourselves. We say the right things, act the right way. But it's been a long time since God's spoon has reached down in our heart and stirred us up to anything that mattered eternally. A.W. Tozer put it this way. The world is waiting to hear an authentic voice, a voice from God, not an echo of what others are doing and saying, but an authentic voice. I'm afraid we're pretending and we're not helping our world. There's a young man started a furniture company. Got him a nice little office, got him a desk. That's when it becomes official, when you get your desk. Put your name tag on there. You are now an official business and had nobody coming in. And so he saw someone walking toward the door. And so he real quickly picked up his phone and said, uh, yes, uh, I, yes, I would be glad to sell you five couches. Our couches are the best in town. And he said, oh, you'd like to buy some furniture? Yes, we have the best tables and end tables and lamp. Yeah, I'll get you that. All right. Uh, hey, I, can I let you go? I've got somebody walking in the door. I've got a lot of orders to fill. He was lying through his teeth. He ain't sold the first thing. Guy comes in there, he's kind of looking around. He picks up the phone again, begins talking on the phone. Uh, yes, oh, oh, yes, you want that? Yes, we have one model left. It's the floor model. I'll be glad to sell it to you. And the guy raised his hand. He says, hang on, let me, let me, let me take this call. He says, can I help you? He says, yes, sir, I, I just want to come in and talk to you. He says, I know, I got a lot going on. I got all this furniture to sell and all that. He says, sir, I'm here to hook up your phone. He was... The only person that it mattered to was him. It didn't matter at all to that guy he's lying to. Ain't no difference for the church. 
We're not helping all these people we're lying to. Acting like we're something we're not. I mean, I'm going to tell you, I'm mean, just to be honest with you. If we, if we just had a small group who just decided I'm going to be real. When God convicts me, I'm going to the altar. When God stirs me, I'm going wherever he says go. When God calls me to, to give out a track, I'm going to give out that gospel track. When God says, go get right with somebody across this room, I'm going to go get right with somebody across this room. Why? Because i got to be real. I can't ask God to stir up what's artificial. God's not going to use counterfeit Christians. He said, stir up something pure. Stir up something sincere. Our problem is, we don't know where the marble stops and the wax begins. We've been faking it so long. And we know it. And the only people we're fooling is ourselves. Because when we stand before God, He knows. And we're going to be a shell of what we thought we were. We've got to hurry this morning. But can I tell you, if you're going to turn the page, you need a godly authenticity in your life. I'm afraid the, the world has got a good reason not to trust the church. A little boy one day was at a city park, walked over to a lady on a park bench. He says, ma'am, do you go to church? She says, I do. He says, I'm not talking about, you know, just every once in a while. Do you go to church faithfully? And she says, yes, I go to church faithfully. Do you read your Bible every day? And she says, yes, I read my Bible. He said, do you pray every day? And she says, yeah, I pray every day. He said, all right, would you hold my quarter while I go swing? I read that story a long time ago. Got thinking to myself, there's a, a lot of churches. The world wouldn't entrust you with their quarter. They look at how we live. They look at how we talk. They see one thing today and another thing tomorrow. And they wouldn't entrust us to hold their quarter. And yet they watch the lost world has something more valuable than a quarter. It's an ever-living eternal soul that's going to spend eternity in heaven or hell. And you and I have been tasked with the great responsibility and trusted with the gospel of Christ to go win them. You can't reach them. You can't win them if you're not real. You've got to be real this morning. Number two, a godly authenticity. Finally, I'll give you this and we're going to close. Watch what he said. Here's the second epistle. Let's turn the page from the first. Let's move on to the second. He says, number one, we need to stir up. That's a great awakening. Stir up what? Your pure mind. That's a godly authenticity. Stir up something sincere. Quit faking it. And watch this, by way of remembrance, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets in the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. I love this here. He says, I want you to be, be mindful of what was spoken before. Watch what he says. Peter, the Holy Spirit's leading Peter, and he says, hey, they don't need to get caught up in what's going on around them. He says, they just need to go back and rely on what worked before. Stick with me. Stick with me. Number one, there's got to be a great awakening. You'll never turn the page in your walk with God without a great awakening. Number two, let God stir up a godly authenticity, something real. But then wait a minute. The only way that we can do that is to get back to what worked in the beginning. He says, go back to before which was spoken by the prophets and the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Can I tell you why he's telling them that? Here's number three, and we'll give you this before we go. He says, what you have here in verse number two is a guaranteed approach. A guaranteed approach. Stick with me, I'll explain. The guaranteed approach is to be mindful and to keep your mind trained on truth. He says, what was spoken of by the prophets and us, the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ, he says, that's the approach you need to enter in with. Don't get caught up in what's going around. If you read about this, the, the churches at this time were dealing with heresy and apostasy in the church. There were all of these ideas entering in. Here's what he said. 
The only way you're going to turn the page is to keep your mind focused on truth and what thus saith the Lord. Do you know when our churches get in so much trouble? When they get away from what worked. They get away from what worked. Everybody has an armchair pastor inside of them. Some more than others, but everybody has one inside of them. We have all these ideas. I have ideas about, hey, here's how you grow a church. Here's how you build a church. On and so on and so forth. Can I tell you, it's not something we have to figure out. It's something that's already figured out. Watch this. He figured it out before. Now, here's what's interesting. It's fitting that the Lord chose Peter as the one who's encouraging them to stay focused. Who? Who? Peter. I mean, Peter had a stellar record, right? Peter was locked in, focused, keeping his eyes on the Lord, never made a mistake. No, that was Paul. We don't like Paul. Joseph, those guys that just stayed locked in. Wait a minute. Peter is saying the way that we move forward in our walk with God, we must stick with a guaranteed approach, and that's to keep our focus and our mind on the truth. You see, Peter was the one who turned away and sunk. Peter was the one when persecution got tough, checked out. He says, can I give you a guaranteed approach? I want to give you a guaranteed approach. Watch. Be mindful of the words which were spoken. Peter proved God right through his mistakes. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, he challenges us to learn from that. Here's what's sad. Too many of us, and I'll close my Bible, give you a little encouragement, we're almost done. Too many of us will never turn the page because we're trying all of these different other ways to become who God wants us to become when he says, look, I've already given it to you before. It's not a new idea. It's an old truth. There's a verse it's often scoffed at in Scripture, and I know it's been misused. But it's in the word of God. We ought to stick with it. Amen. Jeremiah 6.16. Thus saith the Lord. Stand ye in the ways and see. Ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? Walk therein and you shall find rest for your souls. Do you know what he's saying? Guaranteed approach. Guaranteed approach. You shall find rest for your souls. You say, well, we got to find a new way, a new idea. we got to do something to keep the young people interested. Can I tell you what will keep the young people interested more than anything? A stirring of the Holy Spirit of God in their life. We've got to get away from thinking. We've got to give people candy and popcorn and cotton candy all the time to keep them interested. Hey, what it takes to get them here is what it's going to take to keep them here. And you get them addicted to the Word of God, the ministry, and the leading of the Holy Spirit in their life. You will never lack for opportunity for them in their lives. Our problem is we think we need something new. We've got to go invent something. We've got to entertain all the time. Oh, can I tell you, if you just got a little bit of stirring of something that was before, I promise you, you'd find rest for your souls. Do you know why you find rest? Because you don't have to look anywhere else. You don't have to look anywhere else. The other day, my wife wanted some rebel ice cream. I know it's sinful because it's rebel. You know, we don't want to have anything to do with rebels. I went to Dollar General. They didn't have any. Man, I went down to uh, the other Dollar General on Elks Lake. They didn't have any. I drove all over. Finally, I went down to the corner market, and I found some. And then finally, I went home, and I rested after I found it. 
It took me a long time to find it. This morning, I believe there's a lot of Christians, probably many in this room today, you're searching everywhere for something that he's already given us before. He said, guaranteed approach, rest for your souls. Can I ask you something this morning? Number one, have you turned the page? Are you ready to move on to the second epistle? He said, well, I got saved and I read the headlines. Great. Now get into the article. Find out what else it has to say. There's so much God has for us here. Our problem is we just have a short attention span, and we're missing out on that rest for our souls. Number one, you need a great awakening. Stir up what God's already put in you. Number two, you ought to have a godly authenticity. Quit faking it. God's not going to stir up the fake you. He's not interested in wax. Finally, you get to the place to realize he's already given us a guaranteed approach. Now, that's for the saved this morning. Can I ask everybody a question before we close? Are you even sure that you're a child of God? All of these promises are for his children. And, oh, he wants to give you what he's given me. He wants to lead you like he's led me. Hey, he wants his spirit to indwell you like his spirit indwells me. He offers as a free gift to the salvation by trusting what the Lord Jesus Christ did for you. If you're here today and you're not sure that if you died, you're going to heaven, in just a moment, our pianist is going to come. As a matter of fact, whoever's playing the piano, come on up this morning. Our pianist is going to begin to play. We'll have folks on the left. We'll have folks on the right. They'll have a word of God. Hey, go to them and say, hey, I need to know for sure I'm going to heaven. They would love to show you how you can get to page one. Then after that, boy, you get in and turn the page and get into that second epistle. And you get to start living what God's given you this morning. Where are you at today? Hey, time to turn the page. It's time to get real. It's time to get back to what worked. Amen. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Let's stand together.